Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means it's episode 203 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I am one of your hosts. My name is Eric Walkwist, and joining me this week, as he does each and every week, is the other host of the show. His name is... Jesse, kicking Eric's side, Wilson. Kicking my side? Hmm? Why are you kicking my side for? Because I'm like your little sidekick. Oh, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I I choose to believe it. I think of us as more of like a James Bond Felix Leiter situation. Is that are those pictures for the Mariners? Oh, <laughs> no. James Bond is the MI6 guy, and Felix Leiter is the CIA guy. Oh, I thought that was Jack Bauer. No, 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 no. Felix, let's move on to uh, how was your week? Uh, I went to Afreda, Washington this weekend. Uh huh. Which is a small town in the middle of nowhere, Washington State. Right. And uh, I went there for my wife's cousin's wedding. Ooh. Which was uh, super duper Jesus-y, but uh-huh. there was also no alcohol. So, so that was pretty cool. Don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, I just I have to say, I do not understand it, okay? I was raised in a Christian family. Um, I went to a, a, a wedding that didn't have alcohol. And you may be like, yeah, I mean, Eric, why are you so adamant about this weddings and alcohol thing jesus first miracle was putting wine at a wedding that was his first miracle he's like i'm going to introduce myself to the world as a son of god by turning wine water into wine for this wedding because we need a party and it wasn't only just wine it was good wine people drank it and were like why didn't they bring this out first this is way better than the other stuff i'm already toasty that's this is in the bible this is the word that's a good point i should have introduced myself as the son of god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I turned water, barley, and hops into alcohol. Yeah, exactly. But what was nice is um, it was really hot. Mm-hmm. So I was there all weekend, stayed in a hotel two mm-hmm. nights, mm-hmm. and it was really hot, and there's like nothing to do in the town. So I was right. like, guess I'm just going to hang out in the hotel the whole time, and it was super duper relaxing. Well, not bad. I mean, Afreda's got some great hotels. If, if Afreda has one thing, it's great hotel rooms. Yeah, Best Western, more like... Uh, best in the western oh (laughs) yeah something like that best in the western washington yeah except it was not western washington well we're batting a thousand (laughs) 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 uh so i i got to go to the sounders game this past weekend yeah the return of dempsey the return of of yedlin uh the return of obafemi martins the return of the hated uh portland timbers squad uh, who is wallowing at the bottom half of the division, and the return of the champion Sounders, who now have a comfortable lead over everyone else in the league as the best team. It was a great game. Uh, they they took the lead in like the 60th minute, and then they 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 nice. solidified it with the second goal in the 71st. So Nailed a lot of build up. Yeah, a lot of build up, a lot of fun, um, and it was weird because like right as the second goal happened. It started raining. It was like right at the moment that that second goal happened, it started raining. And I was like, Jesus is here. <laughs> this is a very biblical episode. It's going to become wine very soon. Yeah. The, it, it, the rain turned into wine. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, it was, it was a great time. It was really fun. Um, and, geez, what a great way to, to end the weekend after, after watching the World Cup. Um, yeah. Congratulations, Germany. Congratulations, Germany. Congratulations, Dennis Kleinbeck. Uh, we got to give mm-hmm. him a shout-out for a couple reasons. First of all, 
Uh, he is in Germany. He is a German man. Um, he's a German. He's a German. They should be German and German women. I like it. <laughs> um, but women with a Y. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he left us a couple voicemails. So first of all, uh, I want to play. This is what it sounded like in Germany. The uh, as 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 <laughs> as Dennis was was uh, celebrating the World Cup victory. The thing I love most about this voicemail that he left us is it is the first time that I have ever heard Dennis Kleinbeck actually speak German. So uh, so get a load of this, peeps. And this is just a small example of how it uh, sounds when you become world champion. Bye. Dennis, dude. I I like that he says champion like in the intro song to Digimon. Uh huh. Digimon, digital monsters. Digimon are the champions. <laughs> champions. Champions. I love I, that so much. I love. I it. couldn't tell if that was super annoying traffic sounds or right. the world's best polka band. <laughs> Oktoberfest starts early this year, guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love it. Dennis was talking to somebody too, so I just imagine him saying, I have to call this podcast from America <laughs> to let them know what this sounds like. It's not weird. <laughs> Germany did beat the USA, so it's time to uh, to settle up on our bet. Here it is. Hey guys, it's Dennis Kleinbeck from Germany, and I wanted to collect my wager because uh, Germany has won um, against the US a couple, a couple of weeks ago. I forgot to call um, back then. Yes, and um, I, because I'm benevolent and I wanted to give you a choice, um, which movie you want to watch. I have three options of German movies for you to re- uh, review. It's either um, Das Wunder von Bern, or I guess the English title is um, The Miracle of Bern. It's an great German movie about um, the World Cup from 1954 where Germany has won their first um, the first World Cup um, it's set against the backdrop of World War II um, destroyed Germany and the slowly economic growth, uh, growth um, in the Ruhr area which is the area I come from uh, so it's very good stuff, it's a very recent film It's I guess it's from two. 2004, yeah, I guess that's right. Um, the second option is uh, Das Boot. Um, like you maybe know this movie, it's from 1981 and a German uh, World War II movie about a uh, German U-boat um, with many great uh, German uh, actors. Um, I dare you to watch the full director's cut, which I guess it's um, three hours long or so. Uh, yeah, but it's pretty great stuff too. And the third option is uh, my greatest, fi- uh, my best find, or my deepster find, uh, from um, by Werner Herzog. Um, it's a documentary about his um, collaboration with. Um, Actor and maniac Klaus Kinski. Um, yeah, I guess there must be a German, uh, the original German dubbed version somewhere for you to find. 
yes, that's the three options. And um, please have fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to the review. And have a great cast. Get off my back and stay arrogant. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Dennis. <laughs> Get off my back. I think I think Das Boot or Das Boot is probably the one that I want to watch. I've seen that one before. I kind of want to see that uh, Miracle at Bern. Oh yeah, and I was yeah. I was kind of leaning toward uh, the other one. The well, my, there you my go. Great, my best fiend. It's actually we could do all three because oh, he won the. <laughs> he did. Well, he, he did win. win the entire thing. He didn't just beat America. He beat the world. <laughs> I just I'm really excited about Das Boot and I, I think it's it's very interesting. He said Das Boot. That's how he pronounced it. So is it is I guess in German it's just Das Boot because it's a U-boat. I think it's Das Boot, but I don't know. I'm not German. Das Boot. Well, it, that's the thing about um, Americans, especially, is that we are really good at pronouncing foreign words. <laughs> yeah, total amante. I mean, it's not like it's not like you know when when immigrants came to this country, we made them change all their last names so that we could pronounce them. What? Who is the we in this? <laughs> like, I, I'm talking about the collective white privilege. We and uh, like we're on both sides of that equation. We are actually. <laughs> my family came they here. They did make you change your last name enough. That's true. My, my Shoo, family. you, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my family came here from Sweden. HLQ, like that's I, true. They left. We the, don't need that. They left the H in, which is the interesting thing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's because uh, my, my family came here from Sweden. Their, my last name was Walkvist, Q V I S T, and they changed it to the uh, just more easy to say Walkvist. <laughs> love that. No, all right. What's your name? <laughs> Uh, Eric Walkfist? Uh, no, no, no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 it's not. No, you're a Walkfist now. Really? Is that that much better than Walkfist? I, no. I can't even, like, it hurts my ears when you say that. Like, my jaw is, like, doing this weird clicky thing now. Walkfist it is. Yeah. And as we all know, you're, you came to, your sisters came to this country as the Wilsonsteins. Yeah, it was Wilkenstockensteins. Wilkenstockensteins. Yeah. And so, you know, those Irish pronunciations are always weird. And so they were like, you gotta gotta change that to Wilson. And Russell Wilson had just won the Super Bowl. Right. So they're like, we'll just take that guy's name. <laughs> All right, well, we got some movie homework, so... uh We'll keep you posted on that, Dennis. Thank you for, for, uh, for allowing us to uh, lose to the world champions. And... <laughs> <laughs> have a few more voicemails this week this week comes to us from a good buddy out in virginia and here it is hey it's michael mcbride here so i was just wondering hmm i've i know i've talked to y'all before about superpowers and so on and so forth i know we talked about how i thank you i want to know what's your superpowers would be and everything. I think y'all came up with, like, the handyman of some sort, or as, like, a superhero do, which would be an interesting idea. But it was just like, say your super... What would your superhero origin be? What would be your driving factor to pursue justice? What would you decide? Nah, screw it, I'm going to be a supervillain. Alright, guys. Oh, and also, what do you think of Germany winning? Hmm? 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 Thoughts, comments, concerns, criticisms, criticisms. All right, guys. Stay arrogant and get off my back. Get off my back, Michael. Well, obviously, I'm I okay. Bet. I'm okay with Germany winning. I feel like if they were, I'm gonna... not happy about it. 
You're you're sad. I was I was I was rooting for Argentina. Argentina. Well, I mean, I like I like that light blue. I like the little sun. I do, but they didn't get to wear that in the finals. That's what did them in. That's what did them in. They got to wear the stripes. That's what Germany mm-hmm. was like. We got we're the home team. We're gonna wear all white. You can't wear your stripes. And then mm-hmm. that screwed them over. They were already they were dead before they got on the field. <laughs> um, <laughs> superhero origin. This is always interesting. I think that a really great origin story is like. Well, my favorite origin story on film is the origin story in Unbreakable, which I love that movie. And you can say what you want about M. Night Shyamalan, but I really like Unbreakable. Um, I, I, I thought that was good. Yeah, I really like people it. People like that one, I think. Yeah, no, it's one of the good ones. I mean, It's like the happening that people have a problem with. Yes, yes. Or Lady in the Water, which I actually like Lady in the Water. But whatever. Let's get, let's get off the Shyamalan train and... Uh, <laughs> I don't Pulling know. up to Shyamalan Station. Shyamalan Station. Uh, all aboard. Um, <laughs> Everyone get off. But in Unbreakable, I really like how he just like kind of developed. He kind of slowly fe- figured out that yeah, he... Yeah, he's like, I've never been sick before. Yeah. And then he's like... And he also had like a psychological issue where he like basically feigned an illness, but it was practically psychological. Mm-hmm. And then... Oh, this is all spoiler for the movie, by the way. But like... I just love how he like progressively found his skills because I feel like that's very inspirational, especially to people who would be consuming our superhero stories. Like, maybe I should just focus on like one thing I'm good at. Maybe I'll just realize that I'm getting better and better at it over time, which is actually how things occur, right. as opposed to like bitten by a spider and then my uncle dies. You know. <laughs> and my uncle dies. And my uncle dies, and then all he of threw us- himself in front of the spider bite. <laughs> I, I get bit by a spider, my uncle dies, and then all of a sudden there's a ton of crazy people around me. I probably have some kind of mental issue because this cannot be real. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to avoid that whole like, oh, the whole world is now completely different thing. It's more like just, oh, I'm just developing this skill over time. See, I'm a MODOK man. Uh-huh. Mental organism designed only for killing. There you go. So it's pretty much like the origin is summed up in the name. Mm-hmm. It's designed for killing, and he's a mental organism. I'm thinking I don't want to be a superhero or a supervillain. I want to be a super neutral. Super neutral. There's good, that, there are good super neutrals out there. I mean, yeah, Cat, Catwoman's like, a super neutral. Mm-hmm, that, uh, the guy with his wiener showing all the time in the Watchmen's. Yeah, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, he's, he's super indifferent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So something like along those lines for me. I like that. I like the super neutrals. And I, they're, they're better. They're, they're, they can... Uh, they can go both ways, as it were. All right, uh, what else we got here on the... Oh, man, people blowing up. Guys, so many international shits going on here today. <laughs> um. <laughs> international shits, and uh, I think I just called it the Watchmen's. <laughs> <laughs> We're not exactly hyper-poetic. I, uh, today is not the greatest day for... for po- I, like, I am literally in a sweat lodge. It's my, too hot. My apartment... It's like bedroom. degrees. I, it's so funny, dude. I went to the bus stop today, and there were literally 15 people huddled behind the bus stop because it was the only shadow on the sidewalk. <laughs> it's 82 degrees. People in Seattle cannot handle it. We oh, can't handle man. it. Uh, but yeah, like I'm, I'm basically in a sweat lodge right now, so I've, I'm assuming I'm going to start hallucinating around minute 45, so just bear with Ooh. me. 
yeah, maybe you'll be the one who goes on the psychotic rant this week. Love it. <laughs> but speaking of international flavor, we got uh, some more flavor from Sam from uh, the UK. Here he is. Hey guys, Sam here from the United Kingdom. Um, sorry I haven't messaged you for a while, so here's a really overdue congratulations for making it past 200 episodes. Uh, the episodes are already vital for me to make it through today, so I've been loving them ever since you started them, so thanks a lot. Anyway, on to my reason for calling today. I've got two questions I'd like to talk about, or topics I should say. Uh, the first thing is beer. So, I really love anything cherry flavoured, and it seems to be a growing trend here that we're getting cherry flavoured beer. So just wanted to know your thoughts on that. Um, my favorite tends to be the belgian cherry beer and um yeah the other topic i just wanted to talk to you about was the world cup so by the time your next episode comes out the final would have already have been played but just you know who who did you well when this comes out who did you want to win and are you happy that germany did um you know, I might be from England, but I'm rooting for Germany. Can't stand Argentina. Hate Messi, so there you go. Come on, Muller. Anyway, uh, thanks for taking my call. Stay arrogant and get off my nickelback. Oh, God. Will do. Will do get off that nickelback. Thank you, Sam. Uh, it's interesting. I didn't re- I, I kind of forgot about the whole Falkland Islands thing. Mm. You know? England versus mm, Argentina. Classic grudge match. Classic grudge match. Well, I that way overshadows the two world wars. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying that England and Argentina have a little bit of a history. Yeah, um, no, that's true. And then, and then also Messi plays for, uh, for I believe, Barcelona, which is in the Spanish League, which would battle the Champions League champions, or the right. Premier League champions in the Champions League. La Liga, League. right? Is that La Liga? The Spanish League? Is that La Liga or is it the... Uh, I could be wrong. I was Italian just one. I'm actually trying to understand international uh, football. Yeah, my brother-in-law is super into it. Like, he wakes up at 4 a.m. to watch Arsenal matches, so... There's a uh, lot... It's it's a hard sport to follow. It's so diverse. But to is. answer the question, I was oh, rooting yeah. either for the USA or mm-hmm. for Australia. Right. Who did not advance out of their group. Well, I was rooting for USA and Netherlands, so I was actually pretty bummed that Netherlands didn't make it to the final. Because, uh, go Dutch. Go I orange. like the Netherlands, and that flying Van Piercy header oh, yeah. was the best moment I've ever seen in, in soccer. Flying so. Dutchman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, <laughs> you, they won me over as a fan at that moment. Yeah. Uh, although Van Persie did nothing for the rest of the tournament. It was all Robin. Anyway, Jesse, I know that you agree with that statement, but how do you feel about, you know how I feel about uh, f- fruit flavor in my beer? Uh, and that is that I do not enjoy it, but how, how do you feel about fruit flavor in beer? Specifically cherry. With, yeah, I'm fine with fruit flavors, but I just don't like cherry in general. Because I'm a weirdo. Like, mm-hmm. I can't eat cherries. I can't do cherry-flavored stuff. Um, I, feel I don't like, like Robitussin for that fact. Well, I feel like cherry has been ruined for a lot of people because of cough syrup. Yeah, by cough syrup. I think that that might be part of it. Yeah, I know that Sam Adams came out with a cherry-flavored beer, and I did not enjoy oh, it. God. But yeah. 
But, I mean, I'm just saying, I know Sam is, is easing into this beer drinking thing, and if he likes cherry flavor, figure it, like, that's great, man. If you can I isolate, got nothing against it. Yeah. I'm just it, saying, not for me. If you can isolate a style that you like and explore that style, that's going to get you, that's going to open up the world of beer to you. So find what you like, drink it, and then branch out from there. Yeah. That's, that's branch. The, that's the beer drinking like the, manifesto. Like the beautiful cherry tree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it cannot tell a lie and then oh geez sam sam sent us one more here it is hey guys just uh, another thought out here you were saying on one of the most recent episodes you need to start coming up with some new uh themes for when you go into a topic so how about for anything strange you go with this family guy inspired weird weird <laughs> that's all <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that soundbite, Sam. I think you're gonna have to isolate that and turn it into our uh Yeah a new a new topic for that's, weird that's, strange news. <laughs> strange brews. That's definitely going uh to be turned into something, Sam. Thank you so much for that. Um and then uh we have one more voicemail before we get to topics. Uh you guys are just flooding us and we love it. Uh, this one comes to us, ooh, from the 866. I don't even know where that is, but we're going to play it. What is the, oh, this. This is Allstate calling with an important message for Gene. Contact us at 1-866. Okay, never mind. Sorry, but I just realized the 866 is just an 866 number. Um. Gotcha. I, do you think this is the same person who left our number yeah. at the frame shop? Yeah, it, it definitely is. Dude, this the is frame job oh, is God. ready at noon. This is the thing. This Allstate thing. They probably thought we were going to play the whole thing because this is obviously a weird coded message again. Now you have to play it. The spies are going to kill us. Oh God! Did oh. you did you know that like if you get a uh, like a short wave radio? receiver you can mm-hmm. listen to spy code from around the world mm-hmm. that's wild yeah like i uh what are they called they're called like something stations i was gonna do a topic about this because they're creepy as hell yeah um, it's like children singing and stuff oh i didn't know that i'm just talking oh, about God, no- i keep getting fruit flies in my beer <laughs> maybe you shouldn't got a cherry beer man so yeah, there are these things called number stations, which are all over the world. And if you have a, sh- a shortwave radio, you can start to pick up these number stations. And you can find these online. It's kind of this creepy stuff about these. They're basically these radio frequencies that just send out numbers. So like, here's one. This one's just from uh, Wikipedia. Foxtrot. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Mm. Uh, Whiskey or, Tango Fargo. Exactly. I mean, they just they just like go along and and uh, and broadcast these numbers. All I didn't I didn't know about the children singing one though. On that one's weird. Oh, well, they might not be singing, but like I feel like I heard that the Russians use like children voices for some reason. Yeah, interesting. Because nobody wants to hear your kids. <laughs> Put them to work. <laughs> Put them to work part of the communist manifesto so apparently gene or codename gene has been using our our podcast as a new number station yeah exactly we are the new number station and frankly my dear i i i i'm, I'm against it you won't be a part it's kind of cool though 
Yeah, no, it would be great if spies. Who knows? I mean, oh my Dennis God. and Sam could be like warring spies. Okay, let me. Okay, wait a second. We have Dennis Kleinbeck from Germany. We have right. Sam Golmamati from England. We have Michael McBride from Virginia, probably just on the outskirts of Arlington or Washington, D.C. Uh oh. Oh, so what you're telling me is this podcast has just become a, a straight up spy talk. It's basically uh, Jack Bauer in 24. You do realize spy all talk. three of them talked about the, the World Cup. Oh, no. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh God. That's, yeah, that's code for the upcoming uh, Illuminati New World Order. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy. The New World Cup. We'll have the world in our cup, Illuminati. <laughs> I think so. I've got the world by the cup. <laughs> I've got the world in my cup, baby. <laughs> well, now that, we're, now that we're in an international spy ring, we might as well move on to our next topic. And I, I oh, but what what if there was like a like colonies on Mars that also played soccer? Uh huh. And then we could have two worlds, one cup. That will eventually happen. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Or in our Venus Sky Colony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is apparently much more likely. Much more likely. Um. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to our topics now, and 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 I, we have a new caller in, and I, I think that she probably thought that I forgot her call, but instead of forgetting her call, I'm put, turning into a full on topic. Boom! So you just got upgraded. You just got upgraded. See and, you in first class. <laughs> and uh, so this is going to be movies. Do you know what nemesis means? We talked about a movie idea a long time ago. I remember getting really excited about it. It was sometime around episode 150. But this is why we love uh, especially new listeners so much is because when you go back, listen through the back catalog, and then we get feedback on episodes from like two years ago. It's awesome. Uh, so that happened, and here is the voicemail. And uh, we're going to be revisiting uh, something from our past here. So uh, here's the voicemail. Hi, guys. My name is Gina. And I am calling because I've been listening to your back catalog. And I was listening to episode, I believe it's 150, where you guys were talking about the Space Needle being the elder sign that's keeping uh, the world safe from one of the elder gods. And you were going to expand on that at some point, and I don't think you have. So I was just wondering if you guys have already visited that in your thoughts or conversations. Anyways, have a great day. Get off my back. Get on my back, Gina. Um, so yeah, great, great movie idea that we just uh, we just forgot. Right. Um, so she expounds on it a little more in a, in a later email. She says, "Hey guys, I called and left a message, but continue to think about the old topic of the Elder God living under Seattle Center." So let me give some context to this before we dive into this. So um, for those who don't know, Elder Gods uh, attached to the 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 world of H.P. Lovecraft, which is obviously something that Jesse and I both really like. Um, it's, it's a, uh, it's a horror genre that kind of sprung out of the writings of like guys like Edgar Allan Poe. Um, it's basically the people who were directly influenced by Edgar Allan Poe, uh, HP Lovecraft was one of them. And then he created this whole monster genre around cosmic, crazy, ancient monsters that are, were created before the advent of color. They're unthinkable creatures that will drive a man insane uh, at the very sight of them. Um, 
And yeah, nerds love this stuff. You've probably heard of Cthulhu, that's H.P. Lovecraft. And I actually do a pub crawl called the H.P. Pubcraft Love Crawl, which is based on the H.P. Lovecraft mythology. So we were basically thinking of like a Lovecraftian idea that, and I guess it makes sense that it happened about a year ago, because that was when we were planning the first H.P. Lovecraft Pubcraft Love Crawl. Um, But we were thinking about this this idea that uh, maybe a modern Cthulhu story would be that the Space Needle was was constructed in 1962 for the World's Fair, and the World's Fair was some kind of guy, some kind of conspiracy to cover up the existence of Elder Gods so that they could build this Elder Sign uh, of the Space Needle on top of Seattle Center and trap uh, a Cthulhu-like creature underneath the city of Seattle, and uh, and then it's and then it's springing forth. I think that's that's about the background, right? You have anything to add? Uh, for the background, no. Okay. No, I think I think you're pretty on point there. Okay, so she says, in addition to the Space Needle being built by the Pentagram Corporation as a totem to restrain an elder god, it must follow that the Seattle Aquarium is actually a secret base of those on the terrible secret of those in on the terrible secret in order to monitor the underwater activities of the area mm. with the help of the local marine mammals after all we have two resident pods of orca whales they are obviously ancient guardians protecting puget sound in a sacred pact mm. with the local natives to prevent the apocalypse it's so apparent in retrospect the troublesome sea lions are trying to warn us humans of the coming chaos that's why the evil forces have demand have demanded we remain 500 feet or yards from them. Because <laughs> you got to stay clear of those sea lions. Uh, not to protect them, no. To prevent us from hearing the message that could save us all. It's gotten so desperate, sea lions are having to haul themselves all the way to storefronts and sidewalks to try to get their message across, only to be thwarted by know-it-alls who try to enforce a destructive law. <laughs> They were obviously oh, man, trying to track so down funny. Jesse because they heard the podcast, Sound Travels Underwater, <laughs> and knew that he would understand the message. She says, I'm a goofball and probably shouldn't have sent such a crazy email as my first message to you guys, but you were making me laugh pretty hard. And I wanted to be in on the joke. Thanks for the recommendation of the shoot yell. It's super yummy. Gina, you do not have to worry about being a nerd on this podcast. I forgot about that. Yeah. The elephant seal thing. Yeah. Can you so reiterate, what, what's the elephant seal story here? Oh, man. It was, I mean, it must have been uh, just over a year ago when my sister was up visiting mm-hmm. um, for my wedding, and we're in downtown Port Townsend, and uh, there's a big crowd gathering because this gigantic elephant <laughs> seal um, got up on the sidewalk and was, like, sunning itself, and the goof there is that one know-it-all was like, everyone, you're supposed to say 500 feet away! And then another bigger know-it-all was like, actually, you're supposed to say 500 yards away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the, the know-it-alls obviously don't know anything because they're contradicting each other with their own <laughs> know-it-allness. I believe that's a snobservation. Yeah, it was a real snobservation. Yeah. So, so that's what happened there. I just love this idea of our beautiful uh, Pacific Northwest marine mammals being protectors. Being well, they guardians, obviously are. Being guardians. Because, like, come on, dude. Killer whales, orca whales, some of the most majestic creatures on the planet. Uh, and when you see a pod of orca... Have you seen a pod of orca whales in the sound? Uh, yes, I have. It's amazing. Like, whales are the coolest shit in the world. And I don't think I need to go over again how much I fucking love whales. You like whales? I love whales. I knew you liked the Prince of Wales. 
I like the Prince of Wales, uh, Harry. Go for it. Oh, is that Harry or is that the other guy, Chuck? I, uh, I, it's the old one with the big ears. Jeremy? Right? Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven. Uh, no, but like when I was in Hawaii uh, two years ago, I saw a humpback whale and I openly wept at the <laughs> majesty. And I was on a snorkel cruise <laughs> with like a bunch of tourist families. <laughs> and I'm wearing sunglasses and <laughs> openly weeping at the sight of an adolescent uh humpback whale breaching it was <laughs> i'm serious i'm thinking about it now i'm getting a little welled up oh god i love whales so i know i'm 100 percent on board we and you, everybody knows how much we love sperm whales as well defenders uh, of the yeah deep. and narwhals of course and narwhals so and I, I saw a pot of belugas up when i was rolling around in alaska as a kid yeah just rolling around belugas What's which are kind of even the lamest of all whales but it was so cool <laughs> I don't think belugas are the lamest. I mean, gray what's, whales. What's the stupidest whale? Gray whales. What? Gray whales. No, belugas are way stupider. Pilot whales. Pilot whales are pretty dumb. You're with me on pilot whales. Yeah, yeah. Screw them. Okay. But the, I mean, the thing about orca whales is that they're freaking dolphins. They are in the same family as porpoises. They're just gigantic fucking dolphins that live in right. families and hold hands <laughs> and kiss each other on both cheeks because they're fucking sentient. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> Fuck you, Sea World. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, but I love this idea. I love the idea. Yeah. I love anything set in '60s futurism because yeah. like, '60s futurism is easily the coolest futurism. <laughs> they had a pretty <laughs> nice idea of what the future was going to be in the '60s. Yeah, and, and it was so stylish. Like yeah, I really it was super stylized. I wish that we did that. Why can't we have rounded plastic, people? We have the plastic. Uh, <laughs> it's not for a lack of plastic. <laughs> rounded white plastic everywhere. Let's do it. Um, yeah, so I love I this idea. I think rings are cool. <laughs> Did this guy just say rings are cool? No, he said rings are lame. Cool! Futurama. <laughs> uh, anyway, I love this idea. So, uh, so the whole premise of this show, and I'd love to set this in like 1965. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we we have like, you know, this the dude, like it's like the original Men in Black type of deal, but with with Cthulhu esque monsters. Okay, I got I got a little baseline here. Okay, let's do it. Aquatic mammals, um, d- not so much of a plot, just sort of a theory that we can weave into the plot mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Aquatic mammals make no sense to me because they evolved right. in the ocean and then came to land and became mammals. And then we're like, screw this. We're going back into the water to become aquatic mammals. Right. Right. Obviously, there has to be some sort of uh, evolutionary force that's encouraging them to return to the water. And I mm-hmm. think that might be an ancient uh, partnership between humans and uh, sea lions and orcas and whales and everything. Right. Because we knew there was an ancient threat and someone had to bite the bullet and go back into the ocean and be the scouts. Well, I kind of love this as an Innsmouth look type of deal. But, like, uh, for good. Oh. So, the Innsmouth look is basically these sea creatures came up and they were able to somehow mate with humans and then created, like, a race of people who were 
half human, half sea creatures, and then as they get older, they become more and more of a fish person until they eventually just go back into the ocean. So we could totally do that, but instead of Innsmouth look fish person, it's Seattle look whale person. <laughs> the whale persons. The Tilikum look. I love it. Uh, so so let's so what I think that maybe it centers around a couple of goofballs at the World's Fair. Who right, stumble nine, upon the conspiracy. So what year was it? Uh, World's Fair, nineteen sixty-two. Sixty-two. Yeah, that was a way off. Seattle World's okay, Fair. Okay, a couple of sixties goofballs. Well, yeah. I'm thinking a young Jimi Hendrix. Okay. And an unborn Kurt oh. Cobain. <laughs> I don't know. So I like the I. Okay, this is it, dude. This is the story. Uh, I love the young Jimi Hendrix because he was in Seattle at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, this ooh, would have ooh, been- ooh, ooh. and um, a Bill Gates senior. I like Bill Gates. Who's senior. like I can't? I hope I have a rich son so that I can run an ad campaign where I ask the the, the people of the state to vote in tax laws specifically to tax my own son. <laughs> that was a deep, deep Washington that- politics. Goof. It is, and also Bill Gates Sr. was a lawyer. He had plenty of money. He had enough money to send his son to Harvard. Uh, you know, semantics. <laughs> I, but this is what I like. So, Jimi Hendrix, perfect age, perfect location, plausible. Uh, the other person who's completely plausible is Elvis Presley, who is there shooting a movie at the World's Fair. Ooh, I got one more. I got one okay. more little monkey wrench just thrown into this. Yeah, yeah. You know who was in Bremerton around that time? Who? L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm, there's a Scientology angle to this. Wow. Oh, my God. Let me look this up. I'll, I'll find out what year L. Ron was in Bremerton. Other things that were invented at the World's Fair. Belgian waffles introduced to America at the World's <laughs> Fair. Seattle World's Fair, 1962. Uh, and that's all that I know. <laughs> that and the Space Needle. And the zipper, because apparently the zipper was, like, introduced at every World's Fair, from what I've heard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like any time World's Fair comes up, is that like, like the, oh, the, the zipper was invented at that one. Is that, like, the inside joke of World's Fairs, is that they always have the zipper exhibition? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, um, his son was enrolled at Union High School, Bremerton. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. That's crazy. My this dad? was like 1927. I, uh, oh. Okay, I'm way off. <laughs> okay. The ghost of L. Ron Hubbard, though. Okay, well, regardless, we have Elvis and, and Jimi Hendrix. I think that's enough. I didn't know Elvis rolled around Seattle. No, Elvis was, he filmed a movie at the World's Fair in 1962. Uh, oh, okay. So he was on location. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. So we have Elvis, we have Jimi Hendrix, we have like men in black type figures who are Illuminati, cultist, uh, you know, conspiracy masterminds. Probably. in black. Yeah, probably. Men in spines. black with white dots that look like eyes. Well, and then we also have the hippie angle, which I think is great because you can have like the back to nature barefoot uh, dudes, mm-hmm. but they own the key to the Seattle look. So they know how to spiritually connect into the Seattle look. They have some kind of vision quest or something that they're on. Mm. Um, and they look like a little bit like whales. 
So whales are good, bad guys in this one. No, no, no. Whales are good. Whales are defending oh. the deep. Okay. They're but, keeping. They're they're the watchmen. Okay. Of the sound. So, but if you have the Seattle look, you're part whale. Yes. Okay. You have the As Seattle or the Tilikum look or whatever. Huh. What is Tilikum? I think Tilikum means whale. Tilikum was the name of that. Uh, killer killer whale in blackfish i know that but i think it's because uh i think tilikum means uh whale oh god now it's just all cnn stuff popping up (laughs) (laughs) uh tilikum was a 38 foot dugout canoe no that's not what i want (laughs) yeah it's 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 a native word for orca okay yeah so so tilikum look and Tillamook means cheese. Exactly. And ice cream. Delicious ice cream. Uh, okay, so we have the Tillicum look. We have Elvis. We have Jimi Hendrix. We have the Men in Black. who are, uh, But they're not good Men in Black. They're bad Men in Black. They're cultist Men in Blacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Space Needle holding an Elder God at bay. Okay, so... Um, during the construction of Seattle... Mm-hmm. Like, all the Native American artifacts were kind of pillaged and taken away from mm-hmm. what would become the city. Mm-hmm. I think we've already established that totem poles were put in strategic locations right, to keep the Elder Gods at bay, and those were moved. Right. And now the uh, Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. Elvis Presley, right. and the back-to-nature hippie dudes, right. who also look like whales, Tell and... The orca whales understand that this is causing an elder god to rise. Right. So there has to be... And they're going to have to build a space needle, the ultimate total. (laughs) Well, no, it's about the space needle construction. So, interesting thing, interesting twist here. What if the elder god is not bad? Oh, elder good. Yeah, what if he's an elder good? And okay. the conspiracy cultist dudes are trying to keep him at bay when he's really an elder good and he's ultimate enlightenment, which goes along mm-hmm. with a lot of the things that Jimi Hendrix would, would eventually go toward. Right. Peace, love, and understanding, right? He's waiting for his train to come in. Oh, God. Okay, that train broken. symbolizes ultimate enlightenment in the form of an elder good. An elder good. Oh, God. Okay, so, and then how do we inter- inter- integrate the Belgian waffle? <laughs> uh, it, was a, it was an Illuminati distraction technique, mm-hmm. because this was when Elvis was starting to get fat. Yep. So they need to get Elvis off of their track, and they're going to fill him up with sweets. I like that the Belgian waffle is a secret map of the city. <laughs> that shows all of the points at which a totem needs to be built in order to keep the Elder God at bay. We all know that Seattle so, is not a grid. It, it isn't. Like the waffle is. Well, it isn't a grid unless you're downtown. Straight up downtown is a grid. Mm-hmm. So, downtown, there is a portal that opens at every square, and there's an overlay. There's a scene where you have an overlay of Seattle, and somebody pokes out all of the holes. Jimmy pokes out all the holes from the waffle <laughs> and overlays it over Seattle, and it shows all of the blocks that the portals will open at the sa- at, a, at a certain time. Um, Cause I'm waiting at the train station, <laughs> poking um, my Belgian waffle. Yeah, it's got to be something. Poking lots of holes. 
<laughs> syrup flowing everywhere, yeah. Syrup flowing all over. <laughs> I mean, there's... waiting for that elder good to take me to enlightenment. <laughs> I mean, you have a lot of things like uh, I'm standing next to a mountain, <laughs> chopping it down with the edge of my hand. Uh, whoa, right? Yeah. Hello? Hello? I mean, there's, there's, what, if six was nine? It's a classic Jimi Hendrix song. Right. Um, there's Machine Gun. There's Electric Ladyland. Now <laughs> you're just listing Jimi Hendrix songs. Yeah. That's pretty much what I'm doing. There's Castles Made of Sand, which is a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. So we got to iterate. We, so I think this is a work in progress. I think we got a good start here. I think I like the Belgian waffle overlaying a map of Seattle showing where portals are. I like. Okay, so, but one of the harbor seals pulls up and warns Jimmy. Right. Jimmy speaks. What's he say? Jimmy can castle speak. Castle made of sand. You're living in a castle made of sand, man. Which, basically, Seattle, the waterfront is a castle made of sand because it's all built on fill. And if there's ever a major earthquake, it'll all fall into the sea. Right. Which says in the song, castles made of sand melts into the sea eventually. Oh. oh my god, I'm blowing my so the, mind. I'm the, blowing the my own elder, mind right now. The Elder Good will come and provide ultimate enlightenment at the expense of Seattle. At it the will expense destroy the whole city. Of Seattle's great earthquake. earthquake. Seattle's yeah. great earthquake. Uh-huh. And so the, the question is, do mm-hmm. you a- attain ultimate enlightenment, or do you uh, construct the Space Needle and keep the Elder Good at bay? Oh god. This is really big, dude. And then, like, this is, like, Elvis' popularity, huge. So he can hold a con. He'll be holding a concert. And at this concert, he has to give some kind of prop. He has to decide whether he wants to give some kind of propaganda to endorse the Space Needle or to speak against it. This is mm. a very. It's the crux of the movie. I like how this has turned into a musical movie at the same time. Oh, definitely. Um. I like the idea of the CGI uh, harbor seal singing Castles Made of Sand to Jimmy, who's mm-hmm. just sitting there bewildered. Mm-hmm. I like that Jimmy has some kind of peyote experience with the um, hippie dudes and can speak to seals. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. I like that, too. And then, and then like, Seattle Aquarium's got to be something like, and eventually the Seattle Aquarium was built on pier, whatever pier it's on. Oh, but the Seattle Aquarium... Mm-hmm. It's home to two super crafty octopods. Oh God, octopods. the octopods. Who are the the? They're if the if the orcas are the are the wardens or the guardians. Yeah, exactly. The octopods the octopods are, are like, the are the oracles. They're the conduits. No, they're like Cthulhu's rogues. Oh, I was thinking they'd be like the conduit, like the psychic conduits to the elder good. Or that too. Hmm. And uh, they have like a camouflage language that they speak. Hmm. With their uh, camouflageness. Can you speak the 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 language of Seattle? I mean, that's the other thing that really. Uh, I, I, obviously, I just need to read a book on this. But Seattle's named after Chief Self. Right. His name was Self. Why is it Seattle? I don't know. Why is Japan called Japan when they call it Nippon? It just happens. Yeah. Why is Germany called Germany when it's Deutschland? Yeah. I don't know. I that is one thing that really. It really bothers me. It makes no sense to me. Why don't we call the country by what the people in the country call themselves? Yeah. It's like, it's, you live in Italy. Well, we call it Italia. It's like, how did that ever happen? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so weird. I mean, I can get it for United States because those are like words. 
<laughs> yeah. Right? But these are names. Like, yeah, United exactly. States has it's the just, worst. Can't we just call it by the name that they call it by? Right. Why is it Japan <laughs> to us? Where did that J come from? So this is the it's whole thing. It's Nippon. And this is like, you know, this is, we're talking about Walkvists. We're talking about Wilson Steinenstons. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Celts and Se- it's Seattle's. But the reason why it's called Seattle is because you have to see from the sea at (laughs) see a tail see a tail see a tail you see a tail in the sea it's an orca tail harbinger of doom i love that the sky starts to turn black the seismic uh seismic seismographs start to shake Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you look out on puget sound and there's a pot of orcas all waving their tails and you're like, thanks a lot, SeaWorld, for nothing. Oh, God. Should have grabbed more of them while you're at it. Oh, it's so tragic. <laughs> so tragic. Speaking of whale-related things oh, that make you cry. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Uh, so anyway, I think we got a good start on this. We just need to cast Elvis and Jimmy and maybe a whale person or two. Yeah. So uh, Elvis Presley, uh, kind of like the aforementioned Jeremy Piven. I like John Cusack oh. as El- as Elvis. Uh. <laughs> how about John Hamm as Elvis? Uh, how about John Belushi? How about Jim Belushi? There you go. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know about Jim Belushi as Elvis. I kind of like, what's the name of that guy who is in The World's End? Who's Canadian? be like a weird Elvis. I know Jack White played Elvis in Walk Hard. There you go. Alright, Jack White is Elvis. I like this. I'm thinking Donald Glover is Jimi Hendrix, is the young Jimi Hendrix. Uh, Although might be I too like old. Might be How too about old. Yedlin? Yeah, DeAndre Yedlin is young Jimi Hendrix. I like hey, it. Both Seattleites. Both Seattleites. Let's do it. Uh, Alright, cool. Alright, so let's, let's put a fork in this for now. We gotta return to it. I'm liking it. Um, and at the very least, I don't think the expression "put a fork in it" works if you're gonna say "for now." It is when because that's how I eat. I'm just, <laughs> I'm trying just to make, gonna put this fork in here and then put it back in the oven. I'm just trying to make some room for later. I'm just gonna let it settle. Uh-huh. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so so that's 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 our Cthulhu movie. Thank you, Gina, for calling in and for. Uh, for for spurring this along because any anything said in Seattle is is okay with me. Um, <clears throat> all right, Belgian waffles aside, let's go ahead and do some trivia. Uh, we're going to be doing Genus One of Trivia Pursuit. Uh, I'm going to be rolling a six sided die to see which category we do this week. And let's see here. It's a six. That's sports and leisure, Jesse. All right, which World is Cup exactly World Cup and also alcohol. <laughs> because that's what this category is the triple pursuit weirdly is sports and alcohol is basically it okay uh jesse it's question for you what country did roulette originally originate in i'll just go with france I'm with france i'm gonna go with russia <laughs> well russian roulette france it would be weird if russia invented roulette and russian roulette it's true because, like, England invented toast, then France invented French toast. Exactly. Chronologically, that's how it happened. Yes. Uh, so you got that one. Just these questions for me. What card is removed from the deck in Old Maid 
Oof. I'm going to go with the Ace of Spades. I'm going to say uh, Queen of Hearts. Any queen. So technically you are correct. Yeah. All right. Damn, but specifically Queen of Hearts. Yeah, you're moving along here, Jesse. This question for you. What Canadian jockey, later crippled, rode Secretariat to the Triple Crown in 1973? Nathan Fielder. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Junk Candy. <laughs> Ron Turcotte. Worst jockey ever. Well, he was great before he got injured, and then he and then he came back, won with Secretariat, and let himself go a little bit. But oh, I I see. But became and then started acting, comedic acting. Yeah, but became that. one of the greatest comedic actors of of our generation. He's of, like, I mastered the jockey world. Right, and now I'm gonna and now I'm gonna master the acting world, the jokey world. Exactly. Uh, so Jesse, you already won, but uh, I'm doing this for dignity. How many points are there in a perfect cribbage hand? Isn't it like 211? Wow. Uh, I, I'm just going to say 55. 29. <laughs> you are geographically closer to that answer. <laughs> and uh, you're geographically close to everything. So congratulations to your trivia win this week, Jesse. Thank you. All right, so we're moving on, and our next topic will be gaming. Here we go. This week, Wizards of the Coast released uh, free, what they call basic rules, for their new 5th edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. And while I was just chilling in the hotel room this weekend, I was able to uh, spend a lot of time reading over it, and I'm actually really impressed with what they're doing. Great. Uh, They are definitely taking it as far as possible away from 4th edition. Uh, I was ranting about how 4th edition was just a ploy for them to sell toys. Yeah. And uh, little plastic figurines that you put on a grid. In this in this edition, um, playing the game on a battle grid is actually a rules variant. Mm. Which is interesting. They're taking it the complete opposite direction and making it a much more streamlined game where you can do things much faster much uh more simply uh-huh and uh they're definitely playing up the more of the role play elements the storytelling and stuff and they're taking it in a really cool way so i thought i could uh just walk you through a little bit of the character creation process which will highlight a lot of the cool new stuff that they're doing with the fifth edition okay and um we're going to be creating my new Dwarven Cleric. Excellent. Who I'm calling Sparge Strikewater. I like it. So, uh, now, first now, thing usually, you did, usually when I create a dwarf, I just find a Norwegian city and name him after that. Yeah, you know, that's good. Uh, in, the, in this basic rules, they have, they include like a little bit of history on what dwarves uh, where they come from and like their personality and stuff. So they're going out of their way to kind of lead you into character traits so that you can play an interesting character nice and and so and and i also want to just elaborate here um because we're going to be creating this character and this is like for those of you who out there who have never played dungeons and dragons this is a this is a really fun and 
uh, and vital part to any um, Dungeons and Dragons game is is creating a character, getting invested in that character, and and having that character, or and then and then being the representative for that character throughout the game. So this is like yeah. step one to uh, playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons, basically. Yeah, exactly. And in my opinion, that's the most important step. Yeah, because this is who you are. This is the interesting. Uh, you know, piece that you can contribute to the story that everyone's about to mutually tell. Right. And you have complete control over your character. It's the one thing that the dungeon master can't be like, no, you can't do that. You can be like, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> exactly. This is me, and this is what I'm doing, and this is what Sparge Strikewater would do. I'm me, I'm free, I'm here. Let's D&D. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. All right, let's take out the middle one. I'm I'm me, I'm free, let's D&D. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Um... And they do include a bunch of names if you're having a having problems with that, like Baron, which is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, Baron, Bardor, Eberg, Morgan, Arzik, Oscar. It, it goes on. But uh, so once I've decided that yes, I want to be a dwarf, uh, I get to look at what my dwarven traits are going to be. My constitution goes up by two. They tell you a bit about typical age, alignment, size, your speed. Uh, dark vision and low light vision have kind of been wrapped up into the same thing in this game, which you're going to see that uh, trend a lot in 5th edition because they are trying to simplify things. I like it. Yeah, I do too. Um, and not only are they simplifying things, but they're balancing things out too. I feel like <clears throat> this edition is a lot more difficult to be like, yeah, I have a plus 28 modifier on high checks. Exactly. Like, I'm playing a Sniver Blivin'. Uh, rogue who just gets all these insane bonuses. Now it's like your character has a proficiency number that's mm-hmm. based off of your level. Mm-hmm. It starts at plus two and it goes up to like three, four, five, and in the upper levels it gets up to plus six. And you're either proficient in things or you're not. So, so that proficiency number is is just straight up tied to your level. So, a level one will always have a plus two proficiency, no matter what other modifiers they're carrying. Well, it'll basically be like you'll take your ability modifier, which will be like I have a sixteen strength, so I get a plus three. Okay. And I'm level one, so I get my plus two proficiency bonus. But you only get your proficiency bonus in things that you're proficient in. Right. And that's based off of your race, your class, and your background, which cool. is interesting. So, and and I and I also I want to keep it nerd to knowish for the yep. li- for the people here uh, who haven't played Dungeons and Dragons before. But basically, what this means is that anytime you want to do anything in Dungeons and Dragons, you pretty much roll a d twenty. Right. So it's a die with twenty faces. Right. You should know what a d twenty is if you listen to this podcast because we roll <laughs> <laughs> like the beginning of every show. But. Uh, but yeah, so you, basically you say, okay, I want to look and see if I can see anything. The DM will say, okay, roll a d20 for a spot, spot check. So you roll a d20, depending on how well you roll, it's basically like, okay, I'm going to go to the park, I'm going to look for my wife, because she said she was meeting me here. I can either really look hard at every single person to try to identify my wife, or I might just glance around and then be like, I can't see anything. And that represents six seconds of- Right. I'm going to scan around for six seconds. Right. So so you roll your d20 and you're like, uh, and, and it kind of says whether you like seriously focus on everything around you or maybe you just do a quick glance around. 
And so based on that, the DM will say, or the Dungeon Master will say, uh, okay, well, you see this. And and that's how it works. So anytime you do anything in Dungeons & Dragons, you roll a d20. And so you have these proficiency modifiers in, in, in D&D 5th edition that will allow you to do things better. So all of a sudden now when you're looking around, you have a plus 2 modifier because you have that spot check. You have right. you have a proficiency in 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 looking at things and noticing things, so you get to roll your d twenty and you get a plus two, which means you get to add two to the whatever you rolled. So and what uh, how this game is like? They're definitely trying to make in this edition. They're distancing themselves from what they did in fourth edition and trying to get closer to three point five. Mm-hmm. And uh, the difference between how they're doing things now versus how they're doing things then is back. In 3.5, you had a huge list of skills, including uh, spot, and like the amount of ranks you could have in spot was three plus your uh, character level, and you're assigning skill ranks to all these different skills and choosing right. what your um, what you know you want to put extra ranks in. Right. So conceivably, other- so conceivably, you could have like a plus twelve to spot if you skewed right. it correctly according to the rules and what they're doing in this edition is like either you're proficient in it or you're not yeah. and there's no like plus one versus being like i get i have one rank in this i have four ranks in that now it's either you get your proficiency bonus or you don't and that could be good or bad depending on how you want to play the game because right. 3.5 definitely feels like a grown-up version of what fifth edition is Where you have a lot more options and a lot more way to tweak your character in certain ways. Whereas, Mm. I feel like 5th edition is like, okay, either you're good at this or you're not. And if you are, then you get this one base number added to it. Versus 3.5, you know, you could get plus 8 at something, plus 6 at something else, minus 2 at something else. Right. So it, so it definitely simplifies it, but then also there's the advantage system, right? So the DM can decide whether something is at an advantage or a disadvantage. Yeah, an advantage and disadvantage is a really cool way to do things. Right, so instead of rolling a d12, maybe it's a super bright day, you could see everything around you, or maybe you're in a small, small lit, brightly lit room or something, I don't know, and you have a proficiency in spot. Okay, you have an advantage here, so you can roll 2d20, and pick the higher number. Right. Which is and, cool. and we'll get to advantages a little bit later yeah. because they, they are a little bit more uh they're more mechanical than just the whim of the DM. Cool. So um I get my dark vision, my dwarven resilience. So one of these is dwarven combat training. Just by doing being a dwarf, I have proficiency with the battle axe, hand axe, throwing hammer, and war hammer. Mm-hmm. So, whenever I'm using those, I get to apply my proficiency bonus. If okay. I'm using a weapon besides those, I don't get to use my proficiency bonus. And then, so, can you use any weapon, then? You could use any weapon you want. Okay, which you is just also don't di- get your proficiency bonus. Which is also different from 3.5 as well. Yeah, exactly. 3.5 is fucking complicated. Yeah. It's like, there's martial weapons... There's standard weapons, and there's exotic weapons, and you anyone can use like the simple weapons, but only certain people can use martial weapons, and then you right. have to spend your feats to get access to the exotic weapons. It's really complex. Which is like, everybody wants a hand crossbow, dude. It's cool. It's like your six-shooter. 
city you hand crossbows are stupid. <laughs> I think they're cool, especially for a city campaign. <laughs> but so stupid. I'm just saying, like, a hand crossbow is a cool weapon, but you have to like really skew your character in a certain direction in order to be able to even you use do. a hand crossbow. Right. So. Right. And you know, three point five more complicated is complicated, good or bad. You know, that's mm-hmm. up to the players right. and what type of experience they want to have with the game that they're playing. Yeah. So next, I get my tool proficiency. So I gain proficiency with the artisan tools of your choice: smith's mm. tools, brewer's supplies, mm. or mason's tools. Mm. I think I'm gonna take uh, brewer's supply because Sparge Strike Water. Uh, he grew up an orphan. In the uh, <laughs> the Krausen Abbey, right, where uh, he from a young age learned how to be a cleric and uh, learned the ways of his law, uh, of his god law and goodness, and uh, they brewed a lot of really good beer there. So that's going to be it. part of my uh, background. So I'm going to take the brewer's supplies, and now does I that, have does a proficiency. That mean you can, does that mean that you can use a bottling machine? Yeah, it does. So the bottling machine is a, a gnome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good one. So now, um, after you've picked your race, you also get to pick a sub-race. And in the basic rules, they give you choice between two, but they're, uh, they are teasing you in these basic rules because they're, they're giving you the framework. If you want to play, you can. But like in the player's handbook, there's way more cool stuff. So what you... Did you say sub-race? Right. So, as a dwarf, you get to choose between being a hill dwarf or a mountain dwarf. Oh. If you choose hill dwarf, your wisdom score is increased by one, and you get the dwarven dwarven toughness. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, your hit point maximum increases by one, and it increases one every time you gain a level. Or mountain dwarf, your strength uh, increases by two, and you have proficiency with light and medium armor. Huh. And then they also tease the uh, Jurigar, but they don't give you the rules for that because it's the basic. Right. The so basic you, rules, right. We'll give you the first two free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're going to have to pay if you want the uh, if you want that. So right. then you pick your uh, class. I'm going to pick cleric, obviously. And um, so when you pick your class, they give you your hit points. Hmm. They give you uh, your armor proficiencies. And uh, uh, saving throws in your skills. So wait, wait. Can you hold on for just one second here? So yeah, are you rolling your strength and dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma? You are okay. So th- and I just want to reiterate. Th- so those are your base traits. So basically, anything you do in the game is based off of your six base traits, or what are they called? They're not called traits. Attributes. Attributes. Uh. So you have strength, which is like how strong you are. You have dexterity, which means how nimble you are. You have wisdom, which is like how wise you are. <laughs> wisdom <laughs> and the intelligence between? are yeah. interesting. Intelligence is uh, how much stuff you know, and wisdom is how uh, well you apply the intelligence that you have. Okay, cool. And then you have charisma and... Um, and you skip constitution. And const- Oh yeah, and constitution is like how tough you are. And charisma is how, how well you interact with other people right. or characters. So anyway, you roll these six, and those are the basis for basically everything you do in the game. So if you're like, oh, well, I want to jump over this thing, 
and I don't know, is this fifth edition? Because like if you if you want to jump over something and you don't have a proficiency in jump, or if you do you haven't applied skill points to jump in three point five, well, then you yeah. just add your base strength, right? So uh what's cool about uh fifth edition is so you'll still be using your if you want to jump over something, you'll still be using your strength modifier. Mm-hmm. And then you will, if you're proficient in athletics, you also apply your proficiency bonus. Nice. So you don't have to do skill points and jump, You're not swim, assigning climb. ranks to different skills at all. You're yeah. choosing which skills you want, and you get uh, to either apply your proficiency bonus or not. And then in so certain what, what, what situations... Are the pro- sorry. What are, what are the proficiency groups? So you have athletics. Uh, so, like, looking at... Um, the cleric here. I don't. I don't have the complete list of what they have of what um, skills that there are. But so, like, since I'm choosing a cleric, I get to choose two of the following: history, insight, medicine, persuasion, and religion. Cool. So they've cut the skills down a lot, and I really like what they've done with athletics. They've wrapped up in three point five. They have jump, swim, climb. Uh, balance i think is one like all of these have been wrapped up into uh one skill and by doing that they've managed to streamline the process a lot yeah exactly because if you're a barbarian you're just maxing out on on jump swim and climb anyway right and and instead of like assigning ranks to them they've just been like let's screw screw that you just you either have it or you don't and you get to apply your proficiency bonus which is based off of your level i like it so so that's really cool. I guess um, since uh, you know I'm a cleric, I forget how I what we're gonna do with medicine and history mm-hmm. because that's what Sparge Strikewater, you know, he he helps the sick people out who come into uh, Krausen Abbey, and he studies his history books. So you get is, your- is is history uh, a substitute for knowledge? History or is it a substitute for all knowledge? Uh, it's a, so it'd be wisdom, it's a wisdom-based skill, okay. so it's not a substitute for all knowledge, because there's also, like, religion right. here, and, uh, yeah, so they've, they've also invented investigation as a skill, Ooh. which is kind of neat, so uh-huh. I, I feel like that's, like, wrapping up, um, like, search plus sense motive and stuff like that. So then cool. after Batman. after you've chosen your class, mm-hmm. uh, you move on to your background. Okay. And your background is kind of the final uh, piece that helps build your character sheet. Because it's uh, depending on what background you take, you also get extra proficiencies and skills and stuff. Okay. And then uh, they want you to pick personality traits, ideals, and flaws to help flesh out your character. Nice. So we'll be taking the Acolyte uh, background, which means I get uh, skill proficiencies in insight and religion, okay. two bonus languages, and this is where you get your equipment package. So I get a holy symbol, prayer book, uh, incense, vestments, clothes, and a belt pouch containing 15 gold pieces so this is interesting because one of my favorite things about character creation is is assigning is shopping it's going uh-huh. out and assigning items but apparently all of the items are pre-assigned for you they do have the variant for uh buying 
you know, you get X amount of gold, and then you can buy whatever you want. Yeah, and I mean, I never really use any th- things I buy anyway, so. <laughs> it's true. I'm like, oh, I need a bedroll, but I've never been like, I unroll my bedroll <laughs> and sleep on the ground. Yeah. Anyway. So then they have, like, uh, they have personality traits that are suggested, like, I see omens in every action and event. The gods try to speak to us. Or, um, I am tolerant of other faiths and respect the worship of other gods. And they just provide suggestions for how you can, uh, kind of round out your character and make it a little more interesting, which is cool. I like it. This is like intro to role-playing. Exactly. So these these are decisions you'd probably make on your own in 3.5. Right. But these are this is like helping you along. Maybe you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before and you're a little apprehensive getting into it. You're like, oh, this is all fighting. Because yeah. the role-playing side is the hard part to get into. Yeah. Um, the fighting part is, you know... The any, part any where you roll game. a die and add a number and see if it hits the other guy. Right. But, but That's making... easier. But I love the... One of the things I love about Dungeons & Dragons is the role-playing element of making a decision based on your character's personality. Right. And this allows you to just make that a little more obvious, and so it could be a bit of a guiding compass for you as you make decisions for your character. Right. Which is cool. Yeah. So they, they provide personality trait, ideal, like tra- tradition, charity, change, power, faith, aspiration. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, power. I hope one day to rise to the top of my phase religious hierarchy. Then bond, uh, which is like a bond to something from your past. Uh, For example, I seek to preserve a sacred text that my enemies consider heretical and seek to destroy. Oh. And then a flaw. They provide a flaw for you, too, such as uh, my piety sometimes leads me to blindly trust those that profess faith faith in my God. So they're they're just giving you a lot of stuff to flesh out your character and make it more interesting. They're also giving a lot of stuff to the dungeon master to craft their story around, which is yeah. also very cool. Yeah, they're they're helping out with that, and I I definitely feel like fifth edition from how I have been seeing it. They're trying to scale it back and kind of remove that barrier to entry, right? So that more people are going to play it, which I think is cool. I think it's very cool, man. I, I would I would be really interested in playing a uh, fifth edition campaign. Some of the other backgrounds are like criminal, folk hero, and sage are the and soldier. Yeah, those are the ones that they provide here. Is there anything else to character creation? No. Once you've uh, selected your flaw and bond and personality and. Uh, and your equipment and stuff, you're ready to play. Dude, this is awesome, too, by the way, because character creation can take 30 minutes to an hour, and they've streamlined this process as well. Right, so yeah, just, no, they've made it really easy to get a character. Yeah. Um, they provide examples that you can just be like, okay, I'll take this, this, and this, and then you can kind of flesh it out as you're actually playing. Okay, I vote Levi to DM this. <laughs> I, I want to do that. it, man. I think that this sounds really cool. And there's one thing I'm actually going to be introducing from this, stealing it, because it'll fit nicely into 3.5, uh-huh. which is inspiration. Okay. Inspiration is a sort of reward that a dungeon master can give to a player mm-hmm. uh, for making just role-playing well, like making a decision that fits his character or you know, going above and beyond to try and further the story and tell uh, you know contribute something interesting to the story. 
uh-huh. then then the dungeon master can be like, oh, I really like that. Your character is inspired. Once you're inspired, um, you're inspired until you decide to spend that inspiration to gain advantage <laughs> on one roll. So you roll two dice. You're like, okay, my character is inspired. This is really important to me, this one roll. So instead of rolling one die, I'm going to roll two die and pick the higher number. Right. And I think that's a, just a cool way to be able to reward good uh, role-playing. This is so interesting to me because, and I really wonder, um, so you know I got to play Thornwatch, which is Mike Krahulik's game, yeah. who's, who's, uh, who's, um, who's Gabe from uh, Penny Arcade. And he did some things in his system that are very similar to D&D 5th edition. Really? So... First of all, giving your hero a flaw and a and like backstory and that sort of thing in a very simple way. He deals they deal cards in Thornwatch to you to get that. Right, you're telling me that. Right, so that's that's interesting because uh, that 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 falls right in line with Fifth Edition. But this actually f- falls in line completely because there's there's just a thing built into the game where if you do something cool that goes along with your character, then the game master will give you an extra die and you can use that die at any time. But once you roll <laughs> it, it's done. This is <laughs> exactly, exactly the same, same as Thornwatch, which is, I mean, I know that the guys at Penny Arcade know people at, 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 at Wizards of the Coast. Right. Um, so I don't know if any inspiration was transferred or if this is all independent. You know, this happens a lot in, in any form of media. Yeah, it's is, like how two guys invented the periodic table of elements at the same time. Yeah, it, it happens all the time. I mean, this it's it's whoever gets their idea out there first. But the interesting thing here is like, are you kicking? Are you getting out of your truck, kicking yourself in your own ass because <laughs> <laughs> wizards beat you to the punch on your Thornwatch stuff, or are you like, hey, this will help people to understand the game better? What's good for the goose is good for the gander, especially in, in RPGs, dude. And what's good for 5th edition is good for 3rd edition. And mm-hmm. 3.5. And I've I've said, like, 5th edition is simplified, mm-hmm. is streamlined. Mm-hmm. Is that good or is that bad? It's, it's neither. It's, it, it is what it is, and it is what people want it to be. It might be good for some people and bad for other people. I'm not going to give up on 3.5 and start playing 5th edition because right. I actually like veteran players are able to manipulate the system more yeah. and I like giving more power to the player characters as a dungeon master because I can do whatever I want. Right. So go ahead and you know make a character that perfectly is nuanced to what you want to do. Well, and also you are a dungeon master who can roll with the punches. And and there's a little bit of even challenge in there, and it's not like we're not as 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 player characters. We're not trying to break the game, but we know that you can roll with the punches. If we hand you something, you can roll with it. Yeah. Whereas if you're a new DM, which I am, yeah, I think this will be good for new DMs. Right, rolling with the punches is something that is definitely a learned trait. And now that I've DM'd two dif- two separate sessions, there's always that walk away where I'm like, oh my god, I should have done that. I've been DMing for like over 10 years. Right. So yeah, oh. 3.5 is great for you. but if It's you, perfect for me. It, but This allows you to, as a DM, have a little bit more of a handle on stuff. And it, it's uh, right. not only streamlines, it also kind of silos your players a little bit. So they're a little bit more predictable. 
and uh, which can get you into DMing. And it also feels like a like a system that is kind of expandable. So as as your players yeah, learn these definitely. characters, I mean, I feel like there's going to be fifth edition disciples based off of what I've heard so far. There's, there's going to the be a lot come of supplementary rules that. Right. Uh, you know, alter or break the simple base rules too. Exactly. Yeah, which and, will be fine. And I like this as a system, man. I'm I'm excited to see this develop. And um, three point five was a great system, and everybody was scratching their heads when four fourth edition came out because it was so different and it was so weird. And the question was, if something is broke, if something isn't broken, why fix it? Now you could say it was broken because there were so many supplements that came out for it, but. Uh, fifth edition seems like it could be something that has staying power, which is great for everybody. It's great for wizards. It's great for the players. Um, it's great for the next generation of Dungeons and Dragons um, people coming up. I mean, if you're 13 years old and you want to get your group playing this game, I feel like fifth edition is a great way to get people into yeah. it. If I, you know, if I was going to start DMing a new campaign for like my daughter and her friends, I would definitely do fifth edition. I wouldn't even think about doing third edition because third edition's really complicated. Right. Which is- so third edition is great for veteran players, but I think that fifth edition could be something great to get people into it and then maybe they'll be like, ah, have you heard? Third edition is like basically the same thing, but you have a lot more control over the more nuanced <laughs> stuff. If you want to be a super nerd baby, <laughs> yeah. jump on that 3.5. You got it. But I, I really like the idea, like Either you're proficient in something or you're not. Right. And that is based off of these things that you've gotten based off of your class, your race, and your background. And then you can just jump into it. And there's no question of, like, scratching your head and being like, okay, what do I... Because I, I... All right. I have three ranks in this. Mm-hmm. And then I have plus two from strength. Right. But an armor <laughs> check penalty of minus four. And, and they... And also, like... It, the game is set up to penalize you in interesting ways too. Like if you if you're wearing certain suits of armor, like the heavier suits of armor, you're at a disadvantage whenever you're trying to use stealth. Yeah. So you roll two dice and you pick the worst one. Like that's so easy. That's so much easier than being like, okay, a full plate right. is minus six, a half plate is minus four. Right. You know. You're just at a disadvantage. Done yeah, exactly. Done. You're at a disadvantage, or you're at an advantage, or you're proficient. Like, and those very simple concepts permeate the entire system and make it run very easily. You know, and, and so this is my final word on it. I'm just saying that I'm very excited for this because I so I play in two different D and D groups. My one of my D and D groups is run by you. It's me, Levi, Jordy, and Aaron. So we're gonna fuck shit up. We know what we're doing. <laughs> uh, from a player character standpoint, at least, and enough. Aaron's got a lot of learning to do, and I think like this. I think this edition, fifth edition, would benefit Aaron a lot more than three point five because we threw him into the deep end pretty hard. Oh, I didn't know. So he's never played before. <laughs> Are you being sarcastic? No, or? I'd not. No, because remember he was like, "Oh, I'm supposed to add my strength to damage oh, to, rolls." No, to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to all melee You're weapons. A fighter. What? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I didn't know that, but like, yeah, like we're so you're leading us. You're a fearless leader, and you are leading us through this game. We're good with three point five. The other group that I'm in, uh, you know, we have a good DM, but we have like my wife is playing in that campaign. We have people. We have a lot of people in that campaign who have never played Dungeons and Dragons before, 
and the role-playing element is completely lost. Because oh, people yeah. are just... First of all, it's a big group. Second of all, people are just focused on the next battle. They're like, I don't know what to do. It's, 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 a, it's a beer and pretzels game, basically. Yeah. We're getting together. We're having fun as a, as a group. But the role-playing element is lost. I feel like this is much would be much more accessible to that group. Right, yeah. I think any sort of beginner group would benefit from 5th edition because yeah. it's, the the clunkiness of 3.5 has been shed to allow the more interesting storytelling elements to shine through in a meaningful way. Awesome. All right. I want to play it. If Levi would DM it, or you. I like how we're volunteering Levi to DM. I, he's, I, I think he'd be interested. I think he'd be interested. I'm going to take a break from DMing. I just love playing so much. <laughs> I just love the playing. I want to play Sparred Strike Water. <laughs> All right. Well, Did you know that Holy Water makes an awesome no-rinse sanitizer for your brewing needs? A lot of people waste a lot of firewood trying to boil the water. Mm. All you got to do is cast that bless on that water. Yeah, Holy Water beer, man. Yeah, exactly. Holy Water Abbey Ale. Well, the thing is, holy water, you want to use that for your for rinsing, cleaning that bacteria off of your equipment. But if you try and put yeast in there, unfortunately, yeast is chaotic and the holy water is lawful. So <laughs> you'll, you'll get fermentation problems. Well, there you go. I always thought yeast was <laughs> neutral. No, it's, it's fully chaotic. It, it is aware. <laughs> and it, hates, it hates order. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get on to our Facebook round, but before we do, I want to tell you about baldmove.com, guys. So much stuff happening at baldmove.com. It, more and more stuff every week. Um, so not only is Orange is the New Black uh, podcast going on, and of course, uh, the lovely women down in, in, in Southern California, um, uh, the Because Show, the Great Edwardian stuff on Up Yours Downstairs, but there's the uh, the Leftovers, which is a new HBO series. That's on baldmove.com. True Blood podcast uh, with Aaron and his paramour are, are on, is also on baldmove.com. There's a lot of stuff. There's also some great new a commissioned podcast, uh, the the most recent one being the Americans. Baldmove.com, guys, we're there. Uh, and if you're not there, why aren't you there? Because that's probably where you found us. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then want to let you know how you can get in touch with us, guys. Leave us a voicemail, 360-362-0024. That's the easy way. But a lot of people lately have been recording stuff and sending it to us via email at personalarrogance at gmail.com, or you can just write us an old-fashioned email at personalarrogance at gmail.com. Um, and uh, and then we're also on Facebook. We're at the Baldwin Facebook page, the Personal Arrogance Facebook page. We're on Twitter at Personal Podcast. Uh, and then I also realized just now that I totally forgot Jr. from Philly's voicemail. So Jr., you will lead off the show next week. Philly Beer Week drunk dials. I can't love them enough. Uh, so Jr., you will be on next week's show. You will lead off the show. I'm very very sorry, uh, but we definitely want to cover what you're talking about. And um. And I think that's about it. Rate and review us on iTunes. It's all good. Uh, if you follow us on Facebook, each week we post the Facebook Roundup. Uh, and we ask you what you want us to talk about. We talk about it here. And uh, and here we go. Rolo Tomasi says, I want to start playing D&D with my wife and another couple. What tips do you have for noobs? I don't even know where to start. There's a meetup group in my host city that that... Uh, that hosts weekly sessions with a DM with 30 years experience. Should I go or is it a trap? I think we get plenty of beginner stuff. <laughs> First of all, we also have to mention 5th edition is free 
on the the, the basic rural side is free, right? But, but, which is should be more than enough for any budding player. Yeah, uh, I agree. If you haven't played before, if you're just starting up, that'll be fine. Right. But what do you but think I, about this? I would 30 check year? out. Yeah. Even if you don't play, watch a guy. Yeah. S- sit in for a session where of a guy who's been playing forever. If if that's cool with him. I just you know. People and, and things like the community Dungeons and Dragons episodes and stuff have kind of opened up the opened up a little bit. But I even I was confused uh, going into my first game of Dungeons and Dragons. It's literally you sit around, you drink beer, you eat snacks. Not on your first game. We were not drinking beer. Yeah, that's true. We were doing the do, baby. <laughs> you drink Mountain Dew. Uh, you eat snacks, and you and the and the and the dungeon master will give you a scenario based basically in a Lord of the Rings esque world, <laughs> and then ask you what do you want to do, and then you do literally whatever what you want to do. It's not a video game. It's not a board game. There are there are there's a rule structure, but from a personal standpoint you say I represent this character and I can make him do whatever I want to do. It's collective storytelling with a rule structure around it. Yeah. That's what Dungeons and Dragons is and it's great. Like it will burn through 3 hours and you will not even <laughs> know it's done. Like I've been having a lot of fun with this Evera campaign. Oh dude. I, I want to broadcast our next Evera campaign. Are you okay with that? Just yeah, little... the next one. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I got the next one ready. So, uh, <clears throat> my philosophy as a DM is like the X Files approach. Mm-hmm. Have an overarching story plot. Fine, put th- two or three or four back to back. Right. episodes but you still gotta have those fun quirky ones that have nothing to do with anything <laughs> yeah so next episode is a fun quirky one that has nothing to do with the main plot okay cool and that's coming up on tuesday night guys so keep it tuned to the facebook page i will make this a google hangout and we will do it live on on google uh hangouts that night so you, you'll be able to check in and see us play dungeons and dragons at night i'm very excited will they be able to see our visual aids uh yeah you can I share got visual aids. Okay, you can share your screen. Cool. Um, so we'll we'll do that. Okay, so Rolo, if, if you're at all intimidated, ch- uh, check us out next uh, Tuesday, the twenty second. Justin says, "New listener and love the show. Going through the archives, I heard you guys uh, spent a bit time in Providence. What is your fondest Providence memory? Uh, for me, that's hanging out at the Wickenden Pub next to Brown University, uh, drinking giant twenty twos in the yard. We drank a couple yards." Which was weird. Was it a yard or is it a half yard? No, it was a full yard. It was a yard. Okay. We I, had to... I liked the flooding. Oh. <laughs> when I was in Providence, there was a lot of flooding, so that uh-huh. was cool. Yeah, I liked hearing... that um, from the from the highway, you could see the big neon sign that said "Cheaters." Mm-hmm. So that was cool. That's true, but no, the Wicked is... was definitely my highlight. Is prostitution legal in Rhode Island? Levi was telling me something like it's legal if it's within like indoors like you can't <laughs> like you can't go out on the street well, there goes the prostitution but, like you can be a prostitute yeah. like in a establishment oh okay you can't solicit outdoors. you can't like just go out and be a prostitute but if you have a building filled with prostitutes it's fine so anyway that's rhode island um wicked pub though is definitely my favorite place yeah that was 
I want. I would actually love to go back there. Me too. Kiki says, uh, "Any chance getting uh, GOMRB this season? Get off my running back." Uh, so we're not going to do the show, but we will probably have some get off my running back segments on personal arrogance. So yeah, we could definitely do it on this yeah. podcast. Stay tuned for that. Uh, John says, "Ooh, another in- New Englander." Ha ha. John is from Massachusetts, uh, Justin. So you guys maybe should hook up uh, and have a beer at the weekend. And James, yeah. James says going to the National Zoo Friday. Let's head for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, James says going to the National Zoo Friday. Do you gents have any opinions on zoos? Some find them cruel. Others support conservation. Also, try flying dogs. Uh, Dead rice summer ale has an old has old bay in it. What's old bay? Um, I don't know. Is that is, like a bay leaf? Or maybe like water from an old like hood canal? Ew. Um, if you can get it there. Totally delicious. Finally, I love how you say Rolo Tomasi's name and your Dennis Kleinbeck impersonation. Could you say my name in your best Sean Connery accent from now on? You got a James Patterson. Oh, I got to work on that. It doesn't work when I'm drunk. <laughs> Ironically, like, I, yeah, I know it's weird. I, I feel like I need full, uh, full tum, nim, tongue nimbleness. Nimbleness. James Pat. Oh God, James Patterson. Oh fuck me, I can't do it. And I'm a huge James Bond fan. I'm sorry, James. James. James Patterson. James Patterson. Uh, that's more. Daniel that's a little my of Keaton or uh, Kane. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna do Michael K. James Parson. Perfect. I've, What's the first part of that? I've buried enough wines in my day, James Parson. And I won't bury. I well, feel like there was something about this question that I the forgot zoo. now. The zoo. Oh, 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 oh! Yeah, I defer. I defer to my sister on this conversation right. because she's much more. Uh, qualified than I am. She's a to answer fauna this. wrangler in Australia. So. Yeah. And she studied um, wilderness and wildlife her right. entire academic career. Right. And what she, her take on it is as long as the zoo is like handled humanely, we're not talking like sun bears and five by five concrete, you know, enclosures with steel bars or anything. Right. Then they provides so much awareness about conservation yeah that it makes sense as long as you're not you know like keeping orca whales in tiny swimming pools right but you know it can be done in a way that it benefits um conservation as a whole because it's it's, it's sort of like an out of sight out of mind if, if people yeah. never see these animals people aren't thinking about them and then when people aren't thinking about them they end up dead well it's for me it's kind of like and and just going up what you say obviously i defer to carly on this um because she's got a, an actually founded opinion on it uh but it's kind of like celebrities right so if you if you <laughs> yeah. only watch celebrities on tv and you're like oh that's 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 so and so right but when you actually meet somebody who's a celebrity and you realize that, oh, they're just a normal person? That's an actual human being. There's an actual human being with actually actual human feelings. Uh, then you're like, oh, yeah, that he's a cool dude. Or that's just a person. Like Kim Kardashian right. and Kanye West. Guess what, they're guys? Just, they're just people. They're just a couple of dudes. They're just a couple of dudes. And so if you can go to the zoo and see a couple of dudes and be like, oh, 
yeah, lions are pretty f- amazing. You're not Mufasa. You're like a big cat. You're like yeah. a big normal cat. You're like a big normal cat. And like, you know, I think that uh, most zoos, at least in the United States, treat their animals at least, and I'm talking about at the very least, as well as most people treat their dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, and probably much, much better than, than most people treat their dogs. So I'm pro-zoo. I'm pro-dogs and I'm pro-zoo. And I live two blocks from Seattle's famous Woodland Park Zoo, so I'm all I'm all about it. Uh, Tony says, uh, "Where can I get some fresh crab?" Jesse. Uh, well, I I looked ahead, mm-hmm. and someone said that I should have said the ocean. Good idea. Which would have been a good thing to say. By the way, Tony, I love the joke here, but Tony, if you've never been crabbing, it's actually super fun. Crabbing yeah. is super fun. There's nothing more satisfying than pulling up a crab pot and be like, bingo! I got like 12 fucking crabs in here. Uh, we love seeing animals in zoos. We also love killing animals in nets. <laughs> Plus like three starfish. <laughs> yeah, but you throw the starfish back. Well, uh, you know. James also says Maryland is a good place to get crab, but I, I, I contend the Dungeness Spit or Alaska because there's a whole show about it. And it's deadly. Mm. Uh, Kyle says, I'm a couple casts behind, but if you haven't done yet, your fictional character World Cup team, that's got to go on hold. <laughs> that's a good one. That is a good one. I mean, I, my initial thought was uh, fictional characters without arms so that you don't have to worry about handballs. <laughs> so I'm, I'm. You're painting yourself into a corner on that one, though. I don't know, man. I'm thinking like the Winter Soldier. I'm thinking Luke Skywalker. I'm thinking uh, mm-hmm. the Black Knight from Monty Python halfway through the sketch. Mm-hmm. Jame Lannister. There you go. Spoiler alert. So, yeah, no handballs. I mean, that's good from the from the beginning. You put those in the defender space, and then there's no handballs in the box. You're already alleviating, like, half of your PKs in the box. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sam- <laughs> Sammy says, I think there should be a bracket for all of Jesse's best rants. <laughs> Uh, I my feel like such an asshole. My favorite so far was about Barley the Hop mascot. It's a, it's a giant hop! <laughs> Why would you call it Barley? <laughs> but last week may have topped uh, that, uh, Jesse. We uh, love I so many... Feel, I still have shame over... Hey man, we love so many things about you. Uh, and one of them are your rants, but uh, but that's just one that's just one tiny piece of the uh, of the of the Jesse Wilson Matroshka. I apologize um, for my behavior last week <laughs> on the podcast. Josh says, uh, "When those people asked Jesse where they could get crab, you should have said the ocean and walked away." Exactly, that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. I'm not that clever. And then finally, Jim says, or when Jesse is unloading kegs and somebody yells, hey, buddy, can you go ahead and put that in the back of my truck, har har? Mm. What? It's- you just say the ocean and walk away? <laughs> <laughs> the ocean. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> All right, Jesse, what's your first reco? Oh, man. Uh, I guess I only have one. Okay. I've been enjoying something a lot lately that I've recommended before. Mm-hmm. It's a podcast, and I was listening to it today and looked at when it was released. It was 2011, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Where has the time gone? Yeah. 
but it's a History of Rome podcast. Oh. I've mentioned it before, but I mean, it's like 25 minute episodes as a really digestible, fun way to learn about what the fuck happened during the Roman Empire. <laughs> and why the fuck Jesse wants to go back there if he has a time travel experience. Exactly. <laughs> you never told us what emperor you want to go back under. Uh, Aurelius, Marcus, Marcus Aurelius, please. AKA, uh, was it? No, that was wrong. That was Octavius. Never mind. Uh, and then finally. It's, there's a bunch of them. Was it Marcus no Aurelius? Way. Was Marcus Aurelius the emperor in Gla- Gladiator? Gladiator? Yeah. Yeah. I think he was the uh, old emperor, not the young, em- not Joaquin Phoenix, but the old guy who died. Yeah. Cause like Marcus Aurelius was like the last of the like that great dynasty, mm-hmm. and then the like the premise of Gladiator is that he restores like the old way in the Republic to Rome, but like obviously that never happened. So. Right. But uh, yeah, I think Marcus Aurelius is the old guy from Gladiator. And then my my record also is- famous from his uh, great piece of work, Meditations, which is considered one of the West's greatest philosophical works, like pre-Christendom. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, and then my record this week is also going to be another podcast, uh, Freakonomics Radio from uh, WNYC. I uh, listened to a couple of episodes when it first started, yeah. and I was like, there's not a lot of meat on this bone. Uh, I've been listening through quite a few of them. Um, they're quick, right? They're about 30 minutes. Okay, I feel yeah. like the Maybe the first two or three were only like seven minutes long. Okay, yeah, no, they're thirty minutes to an hour long now. Uh, okay. the, the the lead guy is kind of a Ira Glass clone, and I'm like, dude, just pave pave your own way, put your own <laughs> yellow bricks on this road. Um, but but regardless, uh, some pretty good content in there, and some pretty stimulating stuff to listen to on the bus. So, Freakonomics and History of Rome are our recos this week. Jesse, that's a show. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. Thank Once you. again, and I, uh, again, I apologize for my drunken. <laughs> I feel on, I feel like such an asshole. <laughs> well, you made up for it this week with some intellectual D and D talk. <laughs> uh, all right. So next, uh, until next time, listener, remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, please stay, stay arrogant. Thank you.